Blog Talk Radio. Did, did, 
uh, did he direct the Seekers? Is that? Uh, I'm misremembering that. Did I? Who directed the Seekers? Yeah. The Searchers. Yeah, the Searchers. Yeah. Oh, that's John Ford. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, I couldn't even remember but the name of the movie. The worst film that he directed is a movie that is so bad and so obscure that not too many people, even bad movie junkies, really don't know about this. And that is Phobia. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that that movie's so bad, even Mystery Science Theater hasn't made fun of it yet. <laughs> I talked to Joel once. I said, why didn't you do Walter Houston's Phobia? He's like, that movie is so bad it was impossible to make fun of. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's it's one of those things, like, like I always say to my wife, I'm like, yeah, like when we're watching a really bad movie and she's like, why aren't you making jokes about how bad this movie is? You love Mystery Science Theater so much. I'm like, babe, this movie makes fun of itself. Have you ever seen It's Horrible? It has uh, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch, Paul Michael Glazer, playing a psychiatrist whose patients are getting killed according to their phobias. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it came out in the 80s at the height of Slasher Woman. Good God, it's just so bad you want to stab yourself in the eye with a knife while watching it. <laughs> it's not it, so bad, it's funny. It's so bad that you use it that it's banned from being shown to prisoners by the Geneva Convention. <laughs> it, it's the kind of movie that if you had people over at your house for a dinner party and you wanted them to leave, just throw that on and be like, hey, you guys want to watch a movie? And you can guarantee people would be within 10 minutes be like, uh, yeah, you know what, man, we got to go. <laughs> uh, but it's funny because um, it does, it, like you said, it follows, uh, you know, people getting killed by their phobias. It's almost although nowhere near as good a film, but it uh, it almost follows the same storyline as Seven, uh, David Fincher, Seven, uh, because, yeah, you know, like the Seven Deadly Sins in Seven, obviously. Um, but, yeah, people getting killed off specifically based on their phobias. So it it had an interesting premise behind it, but it was just a horrible, horrible film. Ugh. And spoilers, the killer is the doctor himself who goes insane because the people won't get over their phobia. So he puts them in situations where you either get over your phobia or you die. Spoiler alert for a 45-year-old movie. (laughs) Well, how can you spoil something that's spoiled? Watch it now. You can thank me later. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's spoiled for you now. It's going to be spoiled when you watch it. So yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> if you 
look at almost any book on John Huston's films, you're not going to see phobia written about in the in those books or even mentioned. Really? Really? Like they they have seriously like scrubbed it from his filmography like it never happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know. Oh God, it's. I mean, I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of. I have yeah, a lot of. Ahead. You know. Well, obviously, I have a lot of books about. You know. You know, film books, but I mean, I've got everything from psychotronic film guide to Phantom of the Videoscope and. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, I guess those are more like cult film book, you know, guides. But yeah. I mean, I. But yeah, you know, I mean, I just got uh, what is it? Uh, uh the Sleazoid Express. I just got that recently. I mean, when you're reading books that talk about every kind of uh film ever made, you would think that somebody would include an entry. Uh, about it, <laughs> you know. I mean, I yeah. Don't know. But hey, hey, I don't know. Oh, and uh, one thing I want to underline as we're going on: just because we talk about the bad movies doesn't mean some of these movies are bad. Bad. It's just compared <laughs> to the level of work that the director puts out. They're the worst of yeah. their worst. Of their yeah. output. Yeah, we're not we're not crapping on these directors for their for their bad films. We're just pointing out that th- I I mean I think the whole point that we made when we uh, were advertising tonight's show is that these are directors that we love, just films that they made that we did not enjoy. Yeah, it's more like. If you're watching a baseball game and the guy's hitting a home run nine times out of ten, we're going to be talking about the time that the tenth time where he hits a triple instead of just a home run. <laughs> or struck out. <laughs> struck oh, out. Oh, no, completely. not struck out, just hit a triple because most of them are usually on that level of quality. <laughs> right. All right, so where, where are we going now? Who are we going to talk about next? Uh, who, what did, what's your first one you got on your list? John Carpenter. I got John Carpenter. I got two for Carpenter. Prince of Darkness. I hate Prince of Darkness. I think it, you know, I understand what he was, you know, Carpenter had had a lot of success, uh, with, uh, you know, Attack on Precinct 13. And I think that he was trying to recapture that with Prince of Darkness uh, a little later in his career. I thought, you know, my my thought process trying to line up with, his, with him was that he was like, okay, well, I made one really cool movie that took place in one building with, you know, people outside trying to take control of the building. I think I'll do another one like that. But, um, 
Prince of Darkness just does not work for me, man. It it looks cheap. It looks cheesy. It and it and it, was it is cheap. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, you Once can you see get through it. yours, you I'll see. tell you the whole story about the island deal. I'll go. And no, the defendant, no who wrote Prince of Darkness? Don't know. Edward Quatermass. Uh huh. <laughs> so that's somebody's uh, like pseudonym, right? That's not a real name. Yeah, that's a carpenter pseudonym. But have you ever watched any of the Quatermass films? Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Right. That's what he was going with with Prince of Darkness. Not a siege film. It was his Quatermass. It was his Nigel Kill film. Right. Yeah. But it's horrible. It's it's a horrible film. I I don't like but anything not about a good it. Film. I no. like it. No. And what happened was is that him and Wes Craven each got contracts from Island Films when they were starting out to do three low-budget genre films. Right. And uh, they took it up. Uh, let's see. So Carpenter what? did uh, Prince of Darkness and They Live. Well... I mean, Day Live is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'll I'll take Day Live any day of the week. What films did Wes Craven do under that uh, contract? The people Under the Stairs, Shocker, and The Serpent in the Rainbow. Those are all, I mean, Shocker is a little goofy. It's kind of like a, I mean, it's a knockoff of... Uh, it's a knockoff of the first two films of Elm Street, because really that's what it is. That was Craven's yeah. biggest screw-up with Shocker, and I like Shocker, is that he took yeah, two like films with the material and tried to cram it into a two-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by the time I, I, we get to the part where Horace Pinker becomes the, the, the Shocker, the, the electrical demon... We're 55 minutes into the damn movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like like Shocker okay, but yeah, I always felt like, um, uh, you know, yeah, it was just like, it was just Craven knocking off from his own movies, so I guess it's his right to do it, you know? Yeah, he wanted to create his own Freddy and his own franchise, after Freddie got stolen from him, but that's a story right. for another show. But another John Carpenter movie that I absolutely hate, Ghosts of Mars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah I hate that movie. It, uh, there's, I can't even rewatch it. I will rewatch Prince of Darkness, but I will never watch Ghosts of Mars again as long as I live. And I'm almost 50 years old. So, you know, what do I got? 20 more years left on this planet if I'm lucky? I mean, yeah. I'm sitting here I'm sitting here right now drinking whiskey and beer and eating pizza. So, I probably I, I probably don't even got 20 more years left. And, yeah. But I am never watching Ghosts of Mars again. That movie is horrible. 
Come on. I mean, the proof how much of a mutt Ghost of Mars is. Remember all your complaints about Prince of Darkness? That goes to freaking Ghost of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and right. you meant what the, you have you ever heard what the original title of Ghost of Mars script was? No. Escape from Mars. No, no, come on. No. I Serious. Mean, so Ice Cube's character was supposed to be. No, no, don't don't say Snake Plissken. Please don't say Snake Plissken. Yeah, Snake Plissken. He supposedly uh. got kicked off of Earth after the stunt he pulled on Escape from L.A. No, no. Well, Escape it was like a... Gap film because it's supposed to be Escape from L.A., then Escape from Earth, and then Escape from Mars. No, no, I'm done. I'm done with that. No, not, no, not having it. I, I mean, Escape from L.A. is goofy enough, but I'll still give, I'll still give Carpenter a pass on Escape from L.A. because it's goofy, but it's a fun movie to watch. But no, no. Escape from Earth, Escape from Mars. No, I'm not having it. Now, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm glad someone is dead. Who? Carpenter is not dead. He just I, announced he's doing a reboot of the thing, which is a reboot yeah, of the thing. Have, have you, haven't you seen that joke online, though, where they keep posting that John Carpenter is dead and he keeps posting on Twitter despite the rumors I'm not dead. Yeah. <laughs> they keep trying but, to say that he's dead. And he yeah. I want to add one more to that one which I would ta- which automatically this one automatically knocks off Prince of Darkness from the bad list. Okay. And I'm shocked that you didn't mention this. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Oh, man. I forgot about that movie. Holy crap. I I forgot that movie even existed. Yeah. Yeah. Another bad, uh, the first bad Chevy Chase film we're going to mention tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, I forgot all about that. John Carpenter directed that? Yeah, he directed it. It was uh, one of his first guns by hire. He liked the book and he wanted to do it, but Chevy Chase turned it into a vanity piece for him. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a big fan of the show Community, and I see a lot of behind-the-scenes footage of people talking about Community and... Uh, you know, they killed off Chevy Chase's character on that show because everyone on the cast and crew were like, this guy's a dick. <laughs> so, Have you heard yeah. about the infamous episode uh, from 1980, that season of Saturday Night Live, where Chevy Chase uh, came back as a guest host? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, for those who haven't heard it, I'll tell. Uh, He was 
guest host then, he told Jane Curtin, who took over the new slot, that the new slot was his, and she didn't like it, she could go fuck herself. Well, Bill Murray heard about this. Look up Bill Murray and Chevy Chase on YouTube, and you'll see the end bit where they're all standing out there, and then the credits starts playing, and then out of the fucking blue, uh, Bill Murray dies into the screen on top of Chevy Chase and starts beating the shit out of him. (laughs) And everyone is just standing there looking, and no one stops him. Everyone loves Bill Murray. (laughs) (laughs) And no one... Memoirs of Invisible Man was one of those movies made from the popular book of the moment. And... The only thing that really worked was Sam Neill, which Garn Carpenter went to work on after this on uh, In the Mouth of Madness, which is one that got shit on when it first came out, and it was actually pretty goddamn good. Yeah, In the Mouth of Madness is a great movie. I mean, you know, it's a genre film, but, uh, you know, so, yeah, don't go into it expecting to see, like, something, you know, some big blockbuster. I mean, but... Yeah, I like I like In the Mouth of Madness a lot and that but I'm also a big fan of like Lovecraft which obviously yeah. influenced the that 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 film, you know. Um but yeah. No, I like I like In the Mouth of Madness. I would never discount that as one of Carpenter's lesser films, not at all. Nope. That's that's a good flick. Well, it flopped at the box office and was shit on by the critics and the fans when it first came out. And then about two or three years down the road, it was like, hey, this movie ain't bad. Carpenter always had a bad, uh, he always had a bad run with movies. Like like when they, when they were in the theater, they flopped, but then they found... Uh, they found a, an audience like The Fog. You remember The Fog? That was a flop. Everyone. No, that was actually a pretty decent little hit. It wasn't. What? It, the reason that people but call it, it a flop is what was that little film that he did right before The Fog? Yeah. Uh, what was that one called? Mm. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Imagine you got to follow up Halloween. <laughs> Unless the fog made more money than Halloween, it was going to be considered a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> right? That, 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 you know, I, I feel bad for directors when it happens like that. But, you know, like, yeah, you, you put out one movie that's a huge hit, and then they want another hit, and then it doesn't live up to what your last movie did. I mean, hey. You know me. We talk about this all the time. I'm a stand-up comedian. If I go out five nights a week and do stand-up comedy, if I'm out on Monday night and the crowd is into it, I I get a lot of laughs. The next night I go out and do the exact same set at a different place, and no one laughs, you know? It's not... Yeah, it's like Monday night, everyone's good, the weather's good, everyone's had a good time, and boom, you just kill. 
Right. The second night, everyone's watched on the news that this guy has killed his wife and his three-month-old <laughs> baby in a murder-suicide. <laughs> and you got to follow that. <laughs> they, they just want to eat their french fries and drink their beer. They don't give a shit what you're talking about tonight. And I'm like, it's the same joke I told last night. It's just at a different place. And they're like, we don't care. <laughs> If you watch the news, Osh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my, I mean, Big Trouble in Little China. I can remember when it hit when it hit the movie theaters. It flopped like a dead fish. No one went to see it. Right. Yeah. Then when it hit VHS, as soon as the first four weeks that it was out. The first week, they only ordered one copy per video store. That was the average. And they severely under-ordered it, and they were swamped. And it took them another two weeks to get in more copies of it. Yep. And it made more money hand over fist. Right? I don't know. I mean, I know we're talking about flops. We're talking about our least favorite movies. But I got to say, I love Big Big Trouble in Little China, and I love The Thing. I mean, those are, oh, those yeah. are hands down. Those are hands down Carpenter's I, best movies. I, if you I ever read reviews of The Thing from back then, they they were out for fucking blood. All right, so who who are we gonna talk about next? Who you got? Oh uh, well, we can go with? from there. We mentioned his name, Wes Craven. If I was gonna pick the worst one he ever did, oh, and I thought about this between his crap that he put out later and that, it's still got to be the hills have eyes too. Mm, yeah. Um. Like you said, um. My internet's down again, so I'm just going off the top of my head. Uh, what was the It's the one where they use like 40% of the movie footage from The Hills Have Eyes to pad out the film. Yeah, that that's like Silent Night, Deadly Night, too. Yeah. Even the fuck, no. Hills Have Eyes 2 is more special because even the fucking dog from the first one has a goddamn flashback to the first film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like I said before, my internet's down again, so I'm just going off the top of my head, and I can't remember the name of the film. What's the friggin' Wes Craven movie with the robot girl? Oh, Deadly Friend, the one where they took... A very dark yeah. and grim and pretty goddamn good little book. And they took yeah. it, and yeah. they wanted and told John Carpenter, give it sort of a happy ending. Yeah, right. But no, well, he got an R rating because the ending had uh, Christy Swanson's character and the scientist boy kiss each other. And they said, oh, your movie gets an R, gets an R rating. Mm-hmm. Why? It has necrophilia. <laughs> You're I mean, kidding me. I, 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that counts as necrophilia. It's a, it's a guy kissing a robot, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess she is back from the dead, but is it? I mean, like I said, I don't. Yeah, no, she's she's like an android, right? Does that count yeah. as necrophilia? Does that count as necrophilia? This is the MPAA back then. That's what they count. Originally, the ending the deadly friend was supposed to be, uh, you remember when they made such a big deal of them on the bridge together throughout the first two acts of the movie, and then they didn't even show anything like that at the third? Right. Well, in the book, in the originally filmed ending, which one wouldn't let them do, they kiss each other like they're supposed to, and then they commit suicide. Well, that that would probably earn a PG-13 slash and or R rating. I mean, yeah. but, yeah. They, wanted, they said, that's not the kind of ending for a horror film. If you really watch Deadly Friend or Friend, it's not a fucking horror film. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, but I don't know. If I had to pick a Wes Craven film, that's the one I would pick. I mean, I own a copy of it. I've watched it, of course, hundreds of times, but I don't know. The only part of that movie I like is the exploding uh, basketball head scene, which if you've seen it, of course you have. But anyone who's listening, if you've seen it, eh, that's probably the best the best scene in the whole movie. The rest of it's just boring and weird. I don't know. Yeah. And they have what? that stupid ending where uh, he goes to get her out of the mortuary, but then for no, for no fucking reason, the robot explodes through her fucking skin and fat and body and kills her. <laughs> right. Well, Stephen, you know... That death is just when your skeleton finally uh, breaks out of your body, right? Like, you know, that, that, that's how it works. It must be. I mean, I was yelling, what the fuck? And another <laughs> horrible one Wes Craven did was Cursed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did to nope. the movie screen while watching it. And, I mean, a TV screen. I didn't go see it at the movie theaters. Right. Yeah, I've only ever watched Cursed once, and I was just bored with it. I was like, nope, nope, don't care. What's sad is that Wes did the whole movie with a... If you can find the oldest truth thing, Gloria, from when the movie came out, with this beautiful, practically made werewolf. Yeah. Costume. Yeah. But the studio said, oh, no, we want it to be CGI, and it looks like shit. (laughs) I bet I I have that issue of Fangoria. I have a huge stack of Fangoria uh, magazines. Uh, I I always bought it when it came out back in the day. And, uh, yeah, I bet I have it. I I can go look for it and see what, what it looks like. I'll check it out later on tonight, see what's what. Uh, have you ever seen the movie? This movie hasn't hasn't been rated. 
No, no, no. Well, it's a documentary uh, on the MPAA, and there's a. It's the only time I've ever seen Wes Craven this fucking angry <laughs> talking about the MPAA. Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, Wes, what do you think is the MPAA? He's like smiling and joking with him. What do you think about the MPAA? Those little motherfuckers. I want to fucking kill them. <laughs> I mean, the I more think... matter he gets, the lower his voice gets. By the time <laughs> the end of the movie comes around, his voice is so low that I think only dogs can hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've seen the preview. I think I've seen the preview for what you're talking about. It's called "This Film Is Not Yet Rated," right? Yeah, this film is not yet rated. This film is not yet rated. Yeah, I've seen the preview for it on uh, YouTube, but I have never actually watched the movie. Yeah, but yeah, I can see it. Uh, like, think about the stupid crap. Like, uh, you've heard about, like, Scorsese when he did Taxi Driver. Uh, he, he, uh, he submitted it to the MPAA, and they gave it an X rating because it was so violent and bloody. So he brought it back, and all he did was desaturate the color of the blood so it was more orange than red and resubmitted the exact same cut of the movie and they gave it an R rating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, those guys are idiots. They don't know what they're doing. You said there's no show of Paul Paul Anderson, which is the guy who did Boogie Nights. What would be your least favorite of his? Yeah, I do not like the hard eight. And I know that was the movie that, uh, I know that was the movie that kind of propelled him into, uh, I mean, it was his first film, and it was the movie that propelled him into stardom, but I do not like the hard eight. Nope, not. Just, it, it's boring. I think it's boring. I think it's a boring film. Like, yeah, I don't know. Because anything interesting in the movie, Harvey Scissorhands cut it out. I've actually seen the original cut on bootleg of, uh, it was uh, the main character's name. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. But it actually plays better. It's one of those where they cut the heart out of it again. Yeah. Well, if I was going to pick my worst, I would pick one that I got. I had to duck and cover once I said this movie was crap, and that's The Master. Well, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I, The Master is beautifully directed, shot, and acted. But, again, it is kind of boring. I mean, I sat through three hours of a fictional version of Scientology just to see Yaqueen Phoenix ride off on a motorcycle at the end. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what pissed me off. I was like, this is a bio film about Scientology. And I was ex- thinking, ooh, this is going to be nasty. This is going to be sleazy. This is going to be one of the most pretentious pieces of shit I've ever seen. And it was. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad to me. Like, yeah. Like, when... It's the same kind of thing where... It's like, okay, I love Boogie Nights. I think it's a great film. But when Boogie Nights is your second film and you're, like, nine films deep into your career, and I still like your second film best of all, I'm just like, eh, I don't know, man. Like, I get it. You know, these directors get get going, and they get more and more money for each successive film, so they start building on their, their dream projects, you know, but... I'm just like, I don't know, man. Your second film was still your best. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Problem is, after Boogie Nights is that, he kept trying to make Altman movies. You can't tell me that Magnolia, as good as it is, and I love it, isn't a fucking Altman movie. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? Yeah. And I, I, and I love Magnolia, too. But a lot of the things I love about Magnolia uh, kind of intertwine with my personal life because, you know, I love all that Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, raining Toads, uh, you know, uh, uh, Illuminati stuff, you know. And I, I actually went to see Magnolia in the theater by myself when I lived down in, uh, I lived down south. And uh, I went to the theater one afternoon by myself and watched that movie. And I caught on to all that stuff real, real early on. I was like, oh, there's all kinds of neat references to Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Illuminati, da 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 da. da. So I, uh, I, I've always had a connection to that film. But uh, yeah, I still think it, it's a little, it's a little long. And I don't know, man, that musical segment in the middle where he just basically gave his wife a friggin' handoff. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. No, it was Amy Mann who did the soundtrack, not Fiona Apple, who he was uh, dating at the time. Yeah, well, Amy Mann did the, did the little musical segment, and he's married to her now, so I don't know. I don't know how people. It's this all right. Crap out. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's not terrible, but it's just kind of like I don't know, man. If I yeah. if I made a movie, it. I mean, I've I've directed some short films and I've recorded albums, and my wife has helped out with that. But at the same time, I wouldn't be like, hey. I'm making a feature-length film. Hey, babe, come come do some stuff with me. That I don't. That just seems stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a cynic, so what do you know? <laughs> yeah. 
And moving on, there's another name that you mentioned earlier, Scorsese. If I was going to mention Scorsese's worst film, and this is another one that amuses me how everyone who talks about Scorsese's film doesn't mention this movie very much, and that would be New York, New York. Mm, Yeah. Um, Now, I don't dislike New York, New York as much as you do. I but this this speaks to what we were just talking about um directors who get more and more money when their films become more and more successful now was New York New York Scorsese's third film because I think uh, obviously he had already done Mean Streets and Taxi Driver when he did New York New York oh, you're right getting No his first film was Boxcar Bertha and then yeah, Main yeah. Streets, and then Taxi Driver, and then New York, New York. Right. So he had more of a budget than he really knew what to do with in his interviews. This was his dream project. He wanted to do a musical, and he wanted to do like uh, like a uh, what what's what's the name? I'm trying to think of a. I'm I'm gonna just buff it up because I'm. I've been drinking, but Big Big Bigsley Berkeley, what? <laughs> Bubsley what? Berkeley, yeah, yeah. Um, Bubsley yeah. Berkeley, yeah. You so know, really, you... if it comes down to it, someone could ask me, what really started the downfall of New Hollywood in the late 70s? I would say musicals. <laughs> I guess, but, I mean, also, uh, what do we got, uh... Uh, one from the oh. heart, which we'll get into a little later, and uh, the one that Peter Bogdanovich at long last love. Right. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, my problem with uh, New York, New York is that it's too damn long. It could have been used. It could have been edited a hell of a lot tighter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I know that all all of us film fans, we love Scorsese. He makes great films, but Jesus, like New York, New York. I don't that I don't think that's his worst film. I think he's done worse than that. I mean, okay, go ahead. Uh, what do you think is his worst? <laughs> uh, The Aviator. I, I I do not yeah. enjoy that. Yeah, I do not enjoy that film. And I love. If I want to watch a goddamn Howard, it's like the joke I we said when uh, we were doing the memorial to uh, Jonathan Demme. If I want to watch a goddamn uh, Howard Hughes film, I'll watch Melvin and Howard. Yep, me too. Yep. Or and what uh, what's the I know we, I think we joked about this on Facebook the other day, but what's the friggin', uh, what's the friggin' Scorsese movie that, it's not Tintin. What, did did he do Tintin? No. What? Kundun. What, what, what did he do? What, what was his cartoon movie that was like his live action, uh, I can't remember. 
Like I said, oh, I, I know what you're it. talking about. The one that was 3D and had what's yeah. his name, a luminary in it, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember off the top of my head. Like I said, my head's down, so but I can't. Yeah, I tried walking in, and it was. It is like he, like the kid sits in the movie theater with his girlfriend and crap. What? What the crap? What? What's that movie? That? No. Nope. No. It's a hard no from me, Stephen. Well, look at Scorsese's best. His best films have all been his little, gritty New York films. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, I mean, Crimeny, even his newest, you know, uh, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but, yeah, even his newest on Netflix is, he went back to yeah. his roots, and, you know, it's it's not, it's not the best thing he's ever done, but... No, it's yeah, too damn long. It, it has the same problem that Casino had. Yeah, yeah. It drags too much I'll, at the last act. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, I like Casino a lot, but... Um, I like yeah, Casino a lot, too. But, yeah, it does. It drags on. Like, you're ready for it to be done. And it's yeah. not done. <laughs> yeah. Our right. spin is really bad for that. That last act on it, after uh, the whole Jimmy Hoffa incident re- re- is over, and that should have been a finale, and the movie goes on for like 20 more minutes. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> You're like, okay, man, uh, Hoffa's dead. Can we just finish this up now? Nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The one that I think of uh, Scorsese's that he catches too much shit for is Shutter Island. I love that one. Yeah, Shutter Island's a great movie. Yeah, there's no, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't understand why people don't like that. Yeah. So I got it was in the a, first line. As soon as, uh, uh, it opened up, and uh, DiCaprio looked at uh, Ruffalo and said, this is my new partner, Griff. I'm like, oh, Griff. <laughs> We're right. in a fucking Sam Fuller movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I never really thought about it like that, but it does have a Sam Fuller feel to it. Yeah. So... Here's a here's a funny story. Um, so my my wife and I went camping uh, a couple years ago. A friend of ours uh, has a camp up in northern Maine, and we went up there and we set our tent and uh, we hung out all night. You know, we were drinking and hanging out, and when we went to bed, uh, I. This is going to sound weird, but bear with me. I read books to my wife at night when we go to bed. And so we were laying in our tent, and we were all set up and comfy and everything, and I was reading Shutter Island to her. Uh, That was the book that we chose to read that weekend. 
And so I was reading Shutter Island to her. And the next morning when we got up, uh, one of the other girls who was staying with us, uh, staying at the camp, uh, she was like, oh, um, so you guys were listening to a book on tape last night? And I was like, no, I was just reading Shutter Island to Abby. And she was like, well, you should do books on tape. You have a really nice speaking voice. <laughs> you should have been there to waken you read philosophy of the boudoir to your wife. Yeah, right? And people don't get that the big twist in Shutter Island isn't the fact that one of the that Leonardo DiCaprio's character is faking his insanity. It's what happens after that at the very end that's the twist. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I I don't understand why people discount that film. It's not a yeah, it it's not a bad yeah. That's that's not a bad Scorsese. Nope. No. no. All right, so who are we who are we gonna shit on next? Well no, actually we ain't shit on nobody really. <laughs> well it's gonna be Chase, but hey, we ain't done yet. We're being fair. Yeah. I think next, next if I, I got to pick, would be William Friedkin. He's been a very, very director. But if I was going to pick his most unwatchable film, and this is a film, uh, when I seen a review of it, this was after I'd seen it in the Malton uh, movie review book, all it had was utter piece of shit. Friedkin should be ashamed. <laughs> and that will be right. Deal of the Century A comedy movie without any comedy A political movie Without really any politics In it And the, right. one of the biggest Reoccurring gags in the movie Is that Chevy Chase gets shot in the foot About four times <laughs> uh, Well we already, we already We already crapped on Chevy Chase Earlier today but yeah, um, yeah. I don't it's know. It's fault. No one could have made that script work. No, and Friedkin should have never tried comedy. That that was not his forte. I mean... Uh, oh, no, he did pretty good comedy. The Brinks job, if you've ever seen that. No, I never have. He, he directed that? Yeah. Huh. Oh. I've never, I've never seen that. Nope. Never seen it. But, yeah. What? God. Well, uh, I mean, it really, there's a lot of uh, freaking friends that were, that films that were unnecessarily and really necessary, unnecessarily shit on it, and they come after Deal of the Century and a little bit before, and that would be, uh, of course, uh, Sorcerer, which came after Deal of the Century. Oh, that movie I, was I hated when it first came out. 
Yeah, yeah, that was one of those, uh, yeah, people hated it when it came out, but I love Sorcerer. I think that's a great film. Yeah. And I, I don't one know. that's liked nowadays, and it's accepted by the gay community now, <laughs> but back then... Yeah. And that would be cruising, which I've always loved. Yeah. But well, how stacked is yeah. that movie acting wise? Yeah, Al Pacino is fucking amazing in that movie. Like, and you have to you have to wonder, like, like you said, when it first came out, uh, it was despised by the gay community. I mean, if you're ever going to give Pacino credit for anything from that era of his acting, you have to be like, dude, come on. This guy came out and was like, hey, I'm going to pretend I'm gay for a movie, you know? Like, I I don't know. I'm kind of stumbling over my words here, but you know what I'm saying? Like that yeah, was and it has, uh, and it had, uh, let me think, uh, oh, Joe Spinell's in it, and he's fucking great. Paul Sorvino, yeah. and he's fucking great. I mean, right. and it also had Powers Boost in one of the funnier lines that's always quoted by fans of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? The hanky scene. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's I'm sure funny. you'll make the um, right decision. <laughs> I I was actually having a conversation with someone about about cruising one one time, and they were like, "What's up with all the handkerchief stuff?" And I was like, "Really? You've never heard about the handkerchief stuff in the '80s uh, gay scene?" And they were like, no. And I was like, <laughs> let me tell you a little story. <laughs> well, you should watch uh, yeah, You yeah. should watch Cruising. <laughs> the short version of it is the gay, the guys in the gay community did not want to get harassed by the cops. So they devised up this code involving hankies. So they could show what they're cruise out cruising for without the cops really knowing what it meant. Do you, do you, do you think that in, when that, that the cops, do you think the cops ever figured it out? Like, I mean, at some point, at some point the police must have figured yeah. it out, but. Uh, yeah. They didn't have to. There was this book that come out that was called the New York uh, the Gu- a guide to gay life in New York City, and it had oh. <laughs> and it had it showed the leather and all that, and it explained the hanky code. It's like if you have it in your right pocket, you you give. If you have it in your right, and you right. I always uh I always saw the one like if you got the yellow hanky in your back pocket you want to get peed on or you know yeah. I, I, there were all 
if you yeah, were, if, if you had it in one pocket, you wanted to get peed on, and if you wanted it, if you wanted to pee on somebody, you weren't the other. Now the brown <laughs> one, which they don't talk about, you're gonna have to look that one up yourself. <laughs> oh man! Well, and Joe Spinell is just so fucking good in it as a gay cop. Right? Yeah. Well, he had already been in Maniac, right? I mean, yeah. He'd already, Get over you know, here! Yeah, you fucking yeah. it out my boy. And that yeah. whole thing with the cops and chaps—that was based on a true story. Let's say right. you go to jail and I'm a cop. God, God no. And please, then please. I come in with the wearing wearing the chaps with no ass and the cowboy hat and just my underwear, and I knock the living shit out of you, and you're like a known druggie or an alcoholic. You tell that to your lawyer the next morning, and who are they going to believe? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, like, I, this motherfucker was wearing something, but this fucking other way, and shit, he just knocked the shit out of me. Oh, God, he was fucking knee 10. <laughs> he was 300 pounds and had a phone on. Yeah. And what's weird in that he didn't uh, intend it freaking, but the gay disease. Yeah, right. Yeah, cruising turned out to be one hell of an AIDS metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, sorcerer you can get on there, and... Cruising Arrow Video last year just put out an amazing Blu-ray copy of it, version of it. Yeah. I think I think I think my copy of it is on VHS, but yeah, it's always been one of my. Yeah, uh, the Arrow version has that cut, the X-rated cut. Right. With the Uh, subliminals. What? What's the movie I'm thinking of? Uh, uh, it's similar. Uh, again, like I said, no internet today, so I I have to come up with everything off the top of my head. Uh, George Hamilton, uh, his daughter is in a porn movie. Is, oh, is George it, C. Scott. That's uh, George C. Scott. Uh, yeah. Hardcore by Paul Schrader. Hard. Yeah, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Anything Paul Schrader did in the seventies and eighties is worth seeing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, he wrote Taxi Driver. <laughs> Taxi mean, Driver, Rolling Thunder, Hardcore, Mishima. Did, he wrote. He wrote. Uh, he wrote Rolling Thunder. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I I don't think I ever noticed that, and I have a copy of. Rolling Thunder. Huh. I don't think I ever noticed that. Huh. Cool. But yeah, freaking, once he got in the 90s, The Guardian. The Guardian. That movie was so fucking boring. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have. I've been watching some of his later movies. Like what? What was that one that he did with uh, Lindsay Lohan? Or was it Lindsay Lohan? No, actually, like, Judd Bug. Oh, I I kind of liked Bug. That wasn't so bad, but I mean, he did that other one with. It was it was definitely Lindsay Lohan. It was like some fucking stupid uh, Hollywood movie. I don't know. What? Oh, Schrader, yeah, on the Hollywood Hills, yeah. Yeah, Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah that's that the a... one where Lindsay Lohan was supposed to do hardcore in the movie, but she right. uh, wimped out at the last moment. And, well, you know Schrader and his temper. That was a pretty, from what I heard, that was a pretty fun set to be on if you didn't have to work there. Yeah, I I, I think uh, I remember reading that she, like, didn't show up for work a bunch of days in a row and Schrader kind of lost his shit. But, I mean, uh, I understand. I understand that, you know. I'm actually going through a fight with a bunch of friends of mine right now because I didn't I didn't get paid for a bunch of comedy shows and so I posted something about it on Facebook and then they were all like, "Oh, well you're a dick." And I was like, "Well, if you didn't get paid for shows, wouldn't you be pissed off about something?" So, I mean, I can see the I can see that side of it, you know. Uh, no, I don't think... no, you're not being a dick. Not when it comes to money in a time where <laughs> work is shit. Yeah. Oh, hey, remember that time that I did a bunch of work for you and then you promised me money and I never got the money? Uh, yeah, that's how jobs work, <laughs> you know. And I don't care. I don't need the money. You know, I've got a couple of commas in my bank account. I, I can survive without the money that you owe me, but you owe me money. Yeah, once the word gets around that you're a dumbass who work without money, you ain't getting paid ever again. <laughs> right? It's right? the same as writing for a magazine. They're like, yeah, like this one guy once tried to get me to work for his website. It was after you, and he's like, oh, you can write reviews and stuff. And I'm like, oh, really? You are a pretty big site. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you pay all your writers? Yeah, but since you're new, you'll be paid in exposure. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. 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 That's what I always tell people. I'm like, oh, I'm getting paid in exposure? Awesome, because uh, I pay three exposures a year in uh, rent. That's awesome. I I appreciate that. Yeah, I've seen a cartoon once where this guy took, like, this big bunch of – it's just the word exposure. I think it was the oatmeal. And it's just like a whole bunch of exposure, and he went to McDonald's, and he's like – uh, we 
this meal will cost you six dollars. I have a whole bunch of exposure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on next is two of the terrible tw- twins of uh, the '90s who really didn't work together until they met while writing their scripts for uh, Universal Pictures. Hit me. Uh, Well, the first script was a little film called Pulp Fiction, and the second script was Desperado. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you right right off the bat. You know I love Tarantino. Yeah. So so I'm not gonna start talking shit about him right away. But I am gonna mention that uh when it comes to uh, uh yeah when we're talking about uh, uh, oh my God, uh, I'm losing it here. Uh, Roberto Rodriguez. Yeah, when it comes to Rodriguez, I hate Once Upon a Time in Mexico. That is a horrible film. I hate it. I hate everything about it. It's the worst film he ever made. Yeah. The studio forced him to change the title. Because if you really listen to the soundtrack, it has the original title of the movie and almost every fucking musical cue that's got beat to it. Right. Oh, no. I I, I, I hated it. I hated it. Uh, it, There was nothing about that movie that I liked. And again, no. No, there's nothing. He didn't even want to what? make it. It's one of those like forced tomato like Desperado made a lot of money. Why don't you make this? But I want to make that. No, come on, make the sequel to Desperado. I didn't really like Desperado either, but I liked it way more than Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Like N- I don't none know. of uh, well, El Mariachi's uh, uh, age good, but that's because it's got a one-eyed dog. <laughs> right. Well, you know the. Uh, I'm I'm sure you've heard the story of uh, El Mariachi before, where uh, uh, Rodriguez said, you know, if you don't have any money but you want to make a movie, just take everything that you've got and throw it into your movie. You know, I've got a turtle, I've got a guitar, I've got a one-eyed dog. I'm making a movie. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, Desperado was good, but it's basically a remake of El Mariachi. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And but Once yeah. Upon a Time in Mexico is really supposed to be El Mariachi 4. Right. You know all that good shit, the good action with uh, Selma Hayek and... Uh, Antonio Banderas, the good scenes in the movie. That's when fucking yeah. El Mariachi 3, which he didn't get to make, because they told him, oh, let's just skip over that one. Right. 
Well, another thing I have to admit, I'm just going to come clean on this. I fucking hate Antonio Banderas. I hate him. I I think he's a miserable actor. I I've never liked anything that he's been in. And you know how you know how strongly I feel about this because I don't curse that often. I hate Antonio Banderas. He's a yeah, he's a horrible actor. Uh, I'd say no. yeah, his stuff with Almodovar is good. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. And if you, and if you think one time I'm in Mexico, I don't like it. I think it's a bad movie. But if you want to see the worst piece of shit that Antonio Banderas has ever done, watch Assassins with him and Stallone. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. How about I don't? How about I don't watch that ever again in my life? (laughs) Yeah. That movie's just bad. Yeah. And what what's uh what's another like really bad Banderas uh what uh what is it uh X Miami Rhapsody where he plays the two twins that's trying to seduce these two sisters. Uh, that one's horrible. And what what's the one I'm thinking of? X versus Sever? What? Oh God. Yeah. Horrible. And my wife, ex-wife, got to see it for free. They showed (laughs) it and phone booth. And it was on the free movie night at the drive-thru. Whenever they opened, they had free night. And my wife, ex-wife, bitched at me the whole time afterwards. Like, motherfucker, you made me waste money to come see this. We got to see the movie for free. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I wasted my fucking. <laughs> phone Booth wasn't a bad movie though. Who uh, Phone Booth was written by Hitchcock, right? Or or he originally had the rights to it. He right? wrote it with Larry Cohen. Yeah, who who directed the. A vis- the the version of it that actually came out. Joel, uh, the guy who directed Batman and Robin, Joel Silver. Oh, uh, yeah. Huh. Joel Silver's one of those guys you got to check the movie's budget. If it's under ten million dollars, then it's definitely a must watch. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's Joel Silver? Huh? Yeah. Uh. It's no budget. Oh, shit, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, we got a movie for you. We need you to direct it. Uh, we don't have any money. I'm there. <laughs> I mean, really, uh, Tigerland was pretty good. Phone Booth was good. It just seems like when it comes to his low-budget movies, he just doesn't he he gives a fuck and actually just puts forth an effort. Right. Yeah. Huh. All right. So who you got next on your list? 
Well, we got to go through Tarantino because we both agree on the Robert Rodriguez film, the worst. Well, the one I would add is The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Any of his kids' movies were horrible, except for Spike Kids because of this little character they introduced in it. Yeah, well, they did introduce Machete, I guess, so... Yeah. They get a pass because they gave us Machete Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. With, with Rodriguez, um, I'm 50-50. Like, I, He's one of I those like, guys that if he was in the early 70s and 80s and made the Bean movies all the time like Carpenter and stuff... I bet we would have gotten a lot of great shit from him. Yeah. Um, I what I what I would really like to see from Rodriguez is like a a full on horror movie. Like I think uh, his his uh, you know his contribution to the Grindhouse. Uh, didn't really do much for me. I don't know. Planet Terror didn't really do it for me. And it was kind of a That's weak because entry. I was in the wrong place. Yeah. And we'll get it. I'll get into that whole mess once you talk about your worst Tarantino film. Mine, let me go first, would be Four Rooms. How many times mm-hmm. do you hear Tarantino fans or anyone writing about Tarantino's films talk about four rooms? Yeah. You don't. It don't nope. exist. It haven't even hit DVD. It's not on Blu-ray. Do you have any Tarantino fans going, God damn, I want four rooms on Blu-ray? No. No one's asking for it. What the Right. Well, I I said I said it before when we were talking about it, and you know I'm a huge Tarantino fan, and I'm a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock, and Tarantino's version, his segment there on Four Rooms is a complete and total ripoff of of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And not only the 1950s version, but they did a remake of it in the 80s when they rebooted Alfred Hitchcock, and Tarantino ripped that off too. Now, and don't forget got... uh, that in the 90s, during the Tales from the Crypt show, before Four Rooms came out, uh, they did... The Tales from the Crypt version of that story, which has starred Lance Henriksen and Kevin Teagan. God yeah, damn, was yeah. that good. When they, when, yeah, when they did the uh, the chess game where they chopped, uh, whenever someone lost a, a piece, they chopped. Uh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I think I think that episode of Tales from the Crypt is actually called Chopped. <laughs> and it's fucking great. Yeah. It's one but of the that, shortest 
it's one of the shortest episodes of the show, but it gets brutal quick. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the whole movie is just this, and he's actually good in it. Uh, what's his name? He was in uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs, The Hateful Eight. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, a British guy. He played uh, Mr. Orange. Oh, Tim Roth? Yeah, nope. Tim Roth. Uh, In four rooms, yeah, Tim, Tim Roth, Roth plays a bellboy going up and down this hotel where all sorts of weird shit happens. In one story, he gets fucked by witches. Yep. But Allison Anders, which, eh. And then the second yeah. story, which pretty much is a prequel to the Spy Kids series, is directed by Robert Rodriguez, and it has every bad thing about his movies in it. <laughs> I the, the, the Robert Rodriguez segment I mentioned to you earlier is my favorite one of the whole film. Yeah. But, again... That that is based completely and totally on uh, on a urban legend, you know. Oh no, there's a dead hooker under the mattress. Yeah. 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 It's just bad, and there's a reason why it's almost impossible to see nowadays, and that's because no one wants to fucking see it. <laughs> Uh, who who was the other director that uh? I said that that Allison Anderson, the girl, the woman who directed Hotel Baghdad. No, no, no. Who? Yeah, Allison Anders. I mean, she did. Um, yeah, she she also did. Um, oh, what was her friggin' movie? Room bed. Yes. <laughs> what? What was her friggin' movie called? That Hotel was her Baghdad. big hit. No, no, no. I'm thinking of her first movie that she did before Four Rooms. Um, oh, a room with something. No, she she did. Uh, Allison Anders did uh, a movie before that. That was like it's like a friggin' sign that you see on the on the interstate when you're driving somewhere. Okay, I'm gonna be a little active for a second because I'm gonna look it up. All right, yeah. No, it. I I can't. Oh, like I said, man, I don't have internet tonight, and I've been drinking, so. I don't know. But, yeah. Allison Anders had another movie before she did Four Rooms. But, yeah. Cat Food Lodging, Mi Vida Loca, Grace of My Heart, Border Radio, Sign the Sun. Gas Food Lodging was the one I was thinking of. 
Yeah. Yeah. Gas Food Lodging was the one I was thinking of. Um, and then she did, yeah, she did the segment of Four Rooms with Madonna and the Witches. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all that earth yeah. mother crap that was prevalent in that part of the 90s. <laughs> right? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think my cat's about to puke. Oh, I think she's getting ready to puke. Oh, boy. Here we oh, go. Oh, She Can't must have you... been watching some of the movies we're talking about. I told you not to let her watch <laughs> Phobia. <laughs> yeah. I know, she's been watching TV all night. She's sitting right there watching episodes of Community, and now she's puking. Oh, boy. Anyway. Chevy Chase thing. Yeah, Chevy Chase, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, what happened is, uh, if if this is right after Pulp Fiction and Desperado being a hit, and yeah. Alison Anders was a big thing off of Mi Vida Loca, Gas right. Food Lodging. They were like the queen queen and kings of the independent movement at the moment. So they got together and directed this trilogy, Four Rooms, that only has three fucking stories in it. So why is it called <laughs> Four Rooms and there's only three fucking rooms? And you know, uh... They originally, uh, what, so they had Tim Roth play the, uh, play the bellboy in that, but, uh, they had originally invited, um, oh, Jesus Christ, man, I'm too tired and drunk to fucking do this, uh, they had originally invited a different actor to play the bellboy, but he had just played the bellboy in the Coen Brothers movie. So he said no. Oh, Sapporo, yeah. yeah. No, no. What's his name? Uh, the guy who played uh, Mr. Pink. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Roth. Right? No, not Tim Roth. Tim Roth was orange. Mr. Pink was Steve Buscemi. Yeah, Tim Roth played the yeah Tim Roth played the bellboy in. Um, yeah, and it was real supposed to be Tim, Tim Buscemi, but Steve Buscemi. But like you said, oh, no, 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 Steve Buscemi. You're right. It was Steve Buscemi. They invited yeah. him to play to play the bellboy, but he had just played the bellboy in the Coen Brothers, uh, uh, Barton Fink. Yeah. So he said no. Yeah, he said no. I don't want to play another weird bellboy. So he declined. And yeah. the movie flopped. And really, it took a while for Tarantino to come back after stumbling so hard with four rooms. Yeah. Well, you know, of course, we talk about this every week when we talk. Uh, you know, Tarantino is my favorite director. And, yeah, I mean, Tarantino flopped hard after Pulp Fiction. Like, he didn't want to make another movie. He says that 
himself yeah. in interviews. Jackie Brown is a great you know, movie. It's just, well, the black audiences for which it was made loved it. Right. Yeah. But the normal people who like Pulp Fiction, they didn't get it. I I thought. Let me let me tell you how much that I loved his follow up. Okay, Jackie Brown. All right. I went to see Jackie Brown on Christmas Day, and I was already a huge fan of Tarantino just based on Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I went to see I went to see Jackie Brown on Christmas Day. I took a date. We were the only two people in the theater. While we were watching the movie, she reached over and tried to give me a little handy, Jay. And I was like, babe, I'm watching a movie. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was great. And then he had his full-fledged comeback with Kill Bill and didn't look better. And everything that he did turned to gold until he did a unique idea, which is going to be his worst. And why the hell did they release this at Easter? What the fuck were they (laughs) thinking? And why did they not have a disclaimer they had a disclaimer on Pulp Fiction explaining what the fuck Pulp Fiction was. Uh, right? <laughs> it's the same reason why H.G. Lewis named his film The Gore Gore Girls. <laughs> right? Because up north, they you guys wouldn't have known up north that back then what the hell a go-go girl was. <laughs> Nope. I don't. I I own a copy of Gore Gore Girls, and I still don't know what it really means. <laughs> a Gore Gore Girls sort of like a stripper, except that they don't take their clothes off. Right. I knew Grindhouse was fucked, as I said before. I think it's the last time we was on the air together when they talked about. Oh, where's Kurt Russell? Blah, blah, blah. And I love the trailers. I love both movies. But as God is my witness, they were put in the wrong fucking order. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I feel that. I feel that, too. Um, Yeah. I mean... Death Proof was the more boring version, you know. Yeah, we should have seen Death Proof first and then seen Planet Terror last. And even though I think Planet Terror was kind of... uh, Planet Terror kind of feels like a rough cut of a movie that could have been better, but it should have been the second film if we're going to do it like that. Well, what happens is here's how drive-in movies were set. And this will explain the first part of Death Proof. And that's why he screwed up. Well, when you got to the drive-in, the first 
40 minutes of the movie is all plot, all set up, and not for you to watch. Because they knew that motherfuckers coming in to drive in, their first 40 minutes, they're going to come in, they're going to be getting comfy, they're going to get their kids eat, going to get their kids fed, put them to sleep, they're going to screw, they're going to get drunk, they're going to get high, you know. Yeah. And they knew that 45 minutes in, they're going to be ready to settle down and watch the movie. And that's really when the action kicks in at Death Proof. Yeah. But that's not how it works uh, with Planet Terror. Planet Terror kind of launches right off with, well, I mean, it's zombie nonsense, but, yeah, it kind of jumps yeah, right off. Yeah, that's why it should have been the second film, because we would have had the build-up from Death Pure. And we had gotten that badass car chase, and we were pumped. I mean, our energy would have been up like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd seen the fake trailers. God, I want to see Thanksgiving. God, I want to see that. And then, <laughs> boom, straight into the fast-paced action of Planet Terror. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was that, that was totally a Tarantino power move, though. You know, he was just like, well... I'm the bigger director. I'm going to put my film on second, you know. Mm. Well, the thing is this. uh, Tarantino had Rose McGowan on the set because he wanted to fuck her. Well, Well, he didn't end up fucking her. She ended up fucking Rodriguez, and he was pissed about that. That's why their friendship is pretty much busted up. Well... Are you sure he didn't just want to touch her feet? Because that seems to be his thing. (laughs) Well, either or, you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Well. All right. Well, um, we only got like a half an hour left. So what, what other directors do you want to talk about? Well, we ain't done with the death proof yet. I mean, really? I said 45 minutes, but death proof. There was no pumping pumping you up before the first fucking car crash. Yeah, right. It's yeah. slow. Kurt Russell is great. Yeah, but did I need yeah, to spend, no. But did they need to spend 20 minutes with Eli Roth? And the other guy, I don't know who the fuck he was, sitting around talking about how they're gonna go, how they're gonna get up to the cabin. They're gonna fuck the girls, and how the girls are driving around fucking uh, town, drunk. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that that that's my point. And you know what I started talking about when we were first talking about all of this. Everyone who listens to our podcast knows, and everyone who knows me knows that Tarantino is my favorite director of all time, but this movie just bores the shit out of me. Like, you know, I we, we were talking about it earlier, uh, to uh, Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know. You know, like, there's too much talking 
in in death proof not enough action and by the time you get to the action you're just done with it like i don't care anymore you know just, uh, it's still one of the ten best car chases in movie history, if you ask me. Oh yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. It, I mean, once you get to the car chase, you're getting some real, you know, you're getting some money for your, you know. What, it's what you like, uh, well, you brought up Kill Bill Lincoln. Just go on that. It's like when you watch Kill Bill. The entire bloody affair. It flows smooth. It, it, the movie has to slow down after such a major fucking fight as the House of the 88 leads. Yeah, right. So you're just yeah, sitting there with your heart beating out of your chest. Boom, 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 boom. You know. But the difference with Death Proof is you wait that all that time i guess i guess you do get a little bit in the middle you know when when they do the first kill in the middle of death proof and yeah. then and, and and then they they do that cut where michael park says i i can tell you one thing he's not going to do this in my town ever again. And then it cuts to, you know, different town, whatever. But I can't remember. Yeah. But you know Tennessee. what I mean. You, and there's no damn old yeah. wells in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. It ain't ever going to happen again in my town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is that they should have cut out. I mean, just look at the fake real missing in Planet Terror. It's fucking hilarious. It's like, <laughs> we're just sitting there looking at them about to make love. It shows Rose McGowan's ass and yeah. Sorry, real destroyed. And then, when we come back, El Ray's told where he is, the bar's on fire, everything's gone to shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's and have you ever have you ever watched Planet Terror with the uh, with the uh, director's commentary on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Rodriguez is like, no, that's not the way I wanted it to go. No, didn't want that. No, that guy jumps too soon. Like he talks a lot about the uh, the special effects, and he's like, no, that guy jumped too soon. No, that guy. Nope, yeah, nope. no, it's, all of his commentaries are boring, unless you want to make yeah. a movie, you know. Yeah. But now, the thing is this, when it comes to the missing reel, Rodriguez didn't film it. I don't right. know why Tarantino thought, hey, I'm going to film the missing reel. No, if it's something that's not supposed to be there, don't. <laughs> it right. might save you money. <laughs> I don't know. Um, now, let me ask you this. This is off topic a little bit, but do you do you listen to a lot of uh, of commentary when? I mean, I mean, we both yeah. have huge. 
we both have huge uh, D collections. You listen to yeah. a lot of commentary. Yeah. yeah. See, I I usually I usually don't. Um, I think when it comes to finding out information about films, I like to read it more online. I don't. I don't know. I just don't like uh, this morning, for instance. Uh, the internet was down, so I put on a disc of The Simpsons. And of course, you know, when you've got a DVD in in the player, it asks you if you want to hear the uh, commentary. And I just said no. And uh, my wife was like, why don't you want to listen to the commentary? It's one of your favorite TV shows. Don't you want to hear what the creators have to say about it? But um, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you like? Do you enjoy listening yeah, to? Yeah, if it's good and I know there's going to be good stories, I'll listen to it. Like uh, Kevin Smith and Chasing Amy, where uh, what's his name that plays Jay is stoned off his ass through half of the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he wakes up where you know the scene where. Uh, uh, they're kissing, uh, Ben Affleck and the main girl. Yep, yep. He, uh, he, Jason Mewes wakes up and goes, hey, he's touching your girlfriend's ass. <laughs> and the place like, shut the fuck up, you rat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or the whole part <laughs> of Dogma where, uh, Kevin Smith is talking about how much you fucking hated the main girl in Dogma, how much of a cunt she was. All right. Well, it's funny you should bring that up because I have Kevin Smith on my list as one of the directors that we were going to talk about. Okay. And I fucking, yeah. I fucking hate Dogma. I hate that movie. I hate it. Why? I, I love Kevin Smith, but I hate Dogma. I think I, I just think it's his most ridiculous. And, you know, it's really hard when you sit down and say, all right, I'm going to look through Kevin Smith's, uh, you know, filmography. I'm going to pick one movie that is just ridiculous. But, no, I hate Dogma. I, I, it, it's just uh, it's stupid. Even it's stupid. Like you, you like Dogma? You is it a film that you would defend? I like but, it, but what don't you like about it? So I can see if I can defend it. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's it. Aside from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, it's his most cartoony movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's his. It's it, it, it's most cartoonish, and I want to like it. I really do because I know that he's trying to make a point with that film. But it's just yeah, it's just his most cartoonish film, and it's it, silly. Uh, it's a silly yeah. fucking movie. There's, well, no, I think Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back is sillier. Yeah, I I agree. I I think Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is sillier, uh, but 
yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, dogma just doesn't do it for me. I, I, nah, I don't know. The poop monster? Come on, man. Is that where we're going with this now? Like what? Yeah. Like we got we got clerks, small rats, which was also kind of silly, but I enjoyed. Uh, there are elements of mall rats that I also don't like, uh, but okay, we're doing clerks, mall rats, chasing Amy. Chasing Amy is my favorite, uh, my favorite film by Kevin Smith. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you before, but I went to high school with Kevin Smith. We grew up together. And so I knew him when, when we were young and, uh, I really, I love Chasing Amy. I think it's his best film. And well, look we, at Clark and Chasing Amy. They may be silly, but they always have that serious edge to them. Yeah, but uh, like Mallrats, uh, Dogma—they're just silly. Well. I don't think chasing Amy really has a silly element to it. I think no, chasing that's Amy. No, I didn't. That's why I put it was clerks because clerks and chasing Amy have that serious element to it. You know. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, uh, like chasing Amy is my favorite film of his. Um, although I will say. Uh, with his most recent films, he's done some really amazing stuff. Uh, Red State was was a great film. I, I love Michael Red State. Parks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Michael Parks, but yeah, and he also works with uh, Tarantino. Like he 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 does some of the best stuff in Tarantino's movies. Earl McGraw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I actually like Jersey Girl, but most of his fans who don't like it are the ones who don't want to grow up. They want him to keep doing the shit jokes, the stoner jokes. Yeah, but you know what? I my my ex girlfriend and I used to have an argument about this because she would say she didn't like Jersey Girl, and I was like, "So what? Uh, you don't like John Hughes movies?" I mean, come on. Jersey Girl was his tribute to John Hughes, right? You you can't deny that. No. No. no uh, yeah. His tribute to John Hughes movies was, there was a Linker comic that he did called Chasing Dogma that took place in between Chasing Amy and Dogma, which showed where they ended up between their... And dogma, how they got to the clinic. Right. Huh. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's it, it's a it's a video that's online. Or no, it's a comic book. Oh, comic book. Yeah. I don't read comic books, nerd. No. Yeah. Right. That, but that like I said, that's another one where you're missing out on a lot of the fucking story, which they just gloss over in Dogma. 
that's another problem with dogma is that with that book, there's a whole lot of fucking story that goes into dogma that you're fucking missing. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You uh, can cut I'm anything just... out of the movie except plot. If you cut plot out, I'm gonna just go around and just like, come here, motherfucker, put your stupid motherfucker. <laughs> you know. And I, I'm I'm just harassing you to to be a dick. You know I read comic books. Yeah. <laughs> I but I've never seen but that one. Clerks no. two I thought was crap. I I don't know. I I actually just watched that the other day and I I I, I thought it was all right. I don't know. It's hard to go back to the dick jokes after you've seen him do Clerks, the animated series, where he did an actual better version of Clerks 2 than the freaking movie. Yeah, I have the I have the Clerks animated uh, on Blu-ray or DVD. I have I have it anyway, and uh, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, I. I, yeah, he I was think funnier was, not working blue. Right? Yeah. Well, Muse was hilarious in that one episode where he was the center of it, not working blue. Uh, your girlfriend's over there, and she's doing things. Naughty things. Yeah, 
All right, I'll give you true lies. I'll give you true lies. Titanic is all right. I like uh, A Night to Remember better. Avatar, it's one of those like The Hateful Eight. You have to see it in full fucking glory, or else why bother? Nope, 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 nope. Avatar fucking sucks no matter how you watch it. I know that movie is... It's a beautiful film if you watch it in 70mm 3D. It's beautiful to watch, but it's horribly written. Like, no, I'm not... Yeah, that's why I'm saying if you don't get to watch it where you get to enjoy its full beauty, fuck it. Because if you're watching it for the plot, which you're doing when you watch it on your small screen TV, why... No, 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 don't, don't care. But if we're getting, all right, we're getting into uh, crunch time, and if we want to talk about other great directors yeah. who... Uh, David uh, Fick, what do you think his worst film is? What, what, who? David you, Fincher. You out on this Fincher? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, um, I don't know. With Fincher, ugh, man. Uh, a lot. Uh, I like Seven a lot, but I think it really fizzles out at the end. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel like there's a real ending to it. You know, the whole, what's in the box? We've all seen. Yeah. And, yeah I, I, I don't know. I feel like it just fizzles out. But I also feel like the whole, it's dark and rainy the whole time. Like, I feel like that, that that's not a, that's not a real direction. You know what I mean? You're you're not really directing a movie. You're just kind of like, hey, it's raining and dark. Oh, and also well, my there movie, is a prologue my, to the my, movie which they cut out, and I think it would have helped the fucking movie where it shows uh, Somerset at the farm that he buys, and that when he's in the country, it's all beautiful, nice, sunny. Right? And then as he's getting into the city, it gets darker and gloomier and rainier, you know. Yeah. Right. I I, I, I like Seven a lot. I think it's a good movie, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like it. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of serial killers and... uh, uh, well, that sounds bad, doesn't it? Right? No. <laughs> uh, I, I'm really interested in, like, serial killers and UFOs and Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and all that stuff. And so the Zodiac Killer is one that I constantly and consistently uh, keep up with. But, man, Fincher's version of Zodiac, it's like three hours that ends nowhere. 
like, you know? Like, I... Yeah, it's hard to do a movie where there is no fucking ending to the story. Exactly. Yeah, there's no, there's no ending. I'm like, man, it's, it's beautifully shot. It's excellent. The acting is excellent. The direction is excellent. The... You know, but uh, but when it gets to the end, you're just like, hey, guess what? They never caught the Zodiac Killer. I'm like, I already knew that. I already knew they never caught the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it it is a great movie, but I don't know, yeah. man. Yeah. The problem for the yeah. is most overrated that I like. It's Fight Club. Yeah, so so you're so if you had to pick your least favorite Fincher film, you'd say Fight Club. No, it's the most overrated. Least favorite would probably be Panic Room. Yeah. Oh yeah, Panic Room. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for Panic Room at all. Yeah, that that one doesn't do anything for me. Nope. There's so many of those films that come out that from the guys like, uh, well, Paul Thomas Anderson and the guy, 90s guys that haven't yeah. aged very fucking well. Yeah. Well, we talked about Paul Thomas Anderson earlier, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Panic Room... It's not a bad film. It just didn't age well. Yeah. Like, even just watching the credit, you're like, mm, nah. <laughs> just like when it comes to Tarantino, if I was going to pick his most overrated film, it probably would be Reservoir Dogs. Yeah? You think so? Yeah, it's just, Outside of them talking at the diner at the first of the movie, it's just not that good. Really? You don't like the you don't like the diner scene from Reservoir Dogs? That's what I'm talking about, the diner scene. That's the good part. Yeah. I oh, love you that. said that's the, Oh, you said that's the good part. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I was gonna say, if you don't like the diner scene from Reservoir Dogs, we're not friends anymore. Yeah, I love the diner scene. That's great. But then, yeah, then right afterwards, yeah, it goes to, uh, yeah, Mr. Orange bleeding in the back of the car. Yeah. Yep. There was a reason why most people start his career at Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Well, I I wanted to talk about this more earlier in the show, but we're almost at the end for tonight. But, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to – maybe next week we should talk about uh, – like I said, uh, because we were talking about Paul Thomas Anderson, and I said I hate the hard eight. That's not one of his films that I like. Maybe yeah. uh, next Maybe next week we should talk about uh, directors whose first films weren't as good as their second films or something like that, you know? 
Look, yeah, you know. and which is worse, having a crappy first film and then the rest of your films be better, or knocking it out of the park the first time and then having to spend the rest of your career trying to catch up to your own first success? Well, I think that's kind of like what uh, we were talking about, um, you know, there's a lot of directors that we talked about tonight that definitely like, you know, kind of stumbled their way into a career and then had to keep trying harder and harder and they got better and better. But, you know, Oh my gosh, we didn't even get around to Coppola or Ridley Scott or no oh man. Yeah. We'll get into yeah. that next time. We'll continue this next week. <laughs> yes, we will. And to we- do the quick announcements before we go, one, at the Drive-In Monsterama is going to be doing a live show on their uh, event page on Facebook on Labor Day weekend, and I don't know which day I'll be on, but I will be on one of them. And this Saturday, Marcus Koch, director of the punk film Rot. You know that, don't you? Yeah. We're going to have, I'm going to have him on the show as a guest. Nice. So, Sunday night? Saturday. Saturday. All right. All right. Sunday, I don't know yet. There's a good chance it's probably going to be Maurice Devereaux, a Canadian filmmaker who I love his work. What what films has he done? Uh, Slashers, End of the Line, uh, Lady of the Lake. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Nice. All right. Well, if you want me and to call in. Thank you for listening. And if there's one thing that this show and the other ones that me and they do, it's keep your mind open. But always keep it in the gutter, too. Because you never know what you're going to miss if you don't. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Good. Yep.